good to see you today. And I'm just going to, I did this a little bit later in the service, last service, and so I'll do it a little bit sooner this time. You guys look great. Even though you got masks on, you look great. Here's what's been happening. You, you, if you've been following us online, I'm telling you, uh, I, I've been, been preaching to a camera for the last 11 weeks, and it is so fun to see actual, actual people. This is terrific. So good to see you. Glad that you're here. And, you know, just know that uh, we've been praying for you, believing God's best for you. And uh, today is Pentecost Sunday, and what a great day that we have to be back together. And I want to just, a couple of things that I wanted to share about that. There, there's, a lot of, there's a lot of things when you talk about Pentecost, what it means. But I'm going to give you three real quick. The first is this. As Pentecostal people, we believe... We believe in the full expression of the dynamic power of the Holy Spirit. We believe in the supernatural. Understand this. We believe that God heals. We believe that God delivers. We believe that God does miracles in our life. That he's as present today as he's ever been. And that leads to number two. As Pentecostal people, we read and we live the word of God in the present tense. This is not just something his, that history has done. It's not just of a past environment or past moment in time. It's today. So what God's word declares is true today as it always has been. And then lastly, we believe in the empowered life for witness due to the, in, for the indwelling of the spirit of God. Our, our life should be just by the way that we live our lives, should be a reflection of the, of the goodness of God and, and the empowered life that he, he gives us afresh in our life because of the Spirit. And on the day of Pentecost, we would read in Acts chapter 2, verse number 1, when the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place. Suddenly a sound like a blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. They saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. Can we believe today for a fresh outpouring of the Holy Spirit in our lives, in our churches, in our state, in our cities, and one more, in our nation? We need a great awakening in our nation, as maybe never before, not at least in my lifetime. Uh, you know, as many of you, maybe all of us, these past days have been just, there's no way, there's no way to even express it fully. And I, I'm, I'm sure I will do a very inadequate job of expressing it. But here's what's on my heart. All of our hearts break when you see something happen that, such as happened to George Floyd in Minneapolis. That was wrong at every level. It was, it was evil, it was wrong, it was sinful. I mean, you can go on down the line. It was, there's nothing, nothing but, but awful connected to that event. And one can understand why individuals would protest because that, that's one of the things that's guaranteed to us in this country is peaceful protest. And I'm grateful for that. But what, turned, what began as peaceful then turned to violent. And it turned to the destruction of property. And it turned into something that was criminal. That's heartbreaking. Last night, La Mesa, we, we lived in La Mesa. We 
We pastored in that community. Downtown La Mesa, a part of the downtown, is just it's gone. It's gone, burnt to the ground. Because of anger and violence and evil of another type, of another level. And then I was watching the feed on an L.A. station last night, and I sat on my couch, and I, I couldn't watch it anymore. I just dropped my head. And I'm seeing... I'm seeing this stuff unfold in front of me, and I'm just saying, God, this is just, this isn't good. This isn't right. And so I decided I would do some type of a social media post, and so I did, and I sat there, and I, I, I said it this way. I, I'm at a loss for words, and only one word comes to mind, and that's pray. You see, we've been doing this for now almost 50 days prayer every morning at 7.14, and it's based upon 2 Chronicles 7.14, if my people will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven, God says, and I will forgive their sin and I will heal their land. This morning, we need to pray. God, we've got to pray and we've got to ask God for healing of our land. There is, there is no other hope there's no other hope other than God's, God's intervention, God's mercy on us. And we can believe, we need to believe for a fresh outpouring of the Holy Spirit in every church in America so that there becomes a great awakening in this nation. Our nation needs God. And understand, it starts with us, the people of God. Second Chronicles says it, if my people. This is where it starts. So we have a huge responsibility, but I would also say it's a huge opportunity and a great privilege. So would you join with me in prayer? Jesus, thank you for today that we can gather together and worship you. Thank you that you have, you, you have left for us for all time this extraordinary verse of scripture, if my people. Lord, I pray that we would, we would live that out, that we would humble ourselves. And we've been doing that each morning. We've been praying this prayer. So, Lord, we've been praying for our first responders. We've been praying for wisdom for our leaders, for protection for those who serve us, for healing for those who are ill, for comfort for those who have lost. We've been praying for an end to this pandemic. And, Lord, we're also praying now for the residual effects in so many different ways in this most recent heinous thing, this heinous act that we witnessed in Minneapolis, and then all of the things that have followed beyond that that have been so contrary to, to, who, to what we value as a nation and as a people. Lord, I pray this morning, forgive us, but I also pray, heal us, Lord. We so desperately need you. I pray for a fresh outpouring of your spirit in our lives. I pray for the, the collective soul of America for us to come back to God. We need you, Jesus. There's no other way to say it. We need you. Heal our land. Heal our land. And let it begin with us. And let us take this opportunity and the privilege that we have as the people of God. Let's not take it lightly but I pray that you would put it upon our hearts continuously.
to pray and to believe. Thank you. And we thank you that we can, once again, come together and worship. We pray your blessing on our time today in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. And that being said, I, we're praying each morning at 714. I don't know how long we're going to do this. We maybe do this until Jesus comes. I don't know. And if that's the way it is, that's the way it is. And many of you are my friends on Facebook. And if you're not, why not? I would just, no, I'm teasing. Come and join me. We'd love, we'd love to have you come and be a part of that prayer time at 714 in the morning. Just spend a few moments together in prayer. It's a wonderful way to start our day. So, and I believe God, I know God is at work. It's not just a belief. I know he's at work and I'm grateful for that. Well, I think I'm going to make an assumption this morning, and it's always dangerous to assume certain things, but I'm going to do, I'm going to take a risk. I'm going to assume that you understand the meaning of the word continue, continue. You know, it's not a word that, you know, is real mysterious necessarily, and I think that's why I make that assumption. I think we get it. For example, if you're watching a, a television program, like a season of a program, and you know, and it, it's one of those, it's one of those programs that you know, each kind of each episode builds upon the other. And then you get to that one episode, and at the end of that episode, this is what you see. To be continued. And you went, what? They're not going to resolve it. And then you, were, then you discover that it's going to be like four months until the next show. And you go, what? Are you kidding me? Or maybe for your particular job, you're required to have continuing education. You have to keep building certain skills. You have to keep enhancing those skills. So we understand what continue means in that regard. Then, something that probably many of us, if not all of us, have been doing over these last three months is we've been spending a lot of time and maybe a lot of money on something like Amazon. So you go to Amazon or whatever that may online shopping environment might be and you fill out all the information. You get to the bottom of the page and it says continue. So you continue to the next page, and you fill out all the information on that page, and then it says, continue. And then you get to the next page, and you put all your credit card information so that the World Wide Web and all of the dark web can have all of your personal information and spend all your money, okay? Now, we all get what continue, we all, we all get what continue means, but how does, it, how does it all factor into our series of messages when we're talking about joy Regardless, before we get there, just know what continue means in, as a definition. It means to persist in an activity or process, to recommence or to resume after interruption, to carry on, to progress, to go on, to persevere. So over the last three months, we've all been through a number of challenges, a very unique, a very unique season of time. Our normals have been disrupted. Uh, we've had unique occurrences, and I would also say we've had unprecedented disconnections. I, I don't know of a time ever in my life, and maybe in yours, where we have been so separated from people, such, so much isolation happening. And then you, you add to all of that, you, you put all of this together, it all contributes to a sense of uneasiness that I don't know really how we can even quantify it. We don't know what to do. One of the, I would say, here's one of the residual effects of that. If you're like me, I have lost track of which day it is during the week. That, that, is, the, that, is, the strangest, that is the strangest outcome. I, I would never have suspected that. But here's the thing. Then your pastor comes along and he proposes a message series on joy in the middle of all of this. 
And you go, this is, this is nuts. This can't happen. How can we have joy in the middle of all of this? Well, the truth is we can't have joy in the middle of all of this. And we're learning that through this study of the book of Philippians. As you know, Paul was in jail, and so he gets, he gets this idea of having joy regardless. So today, we want to talk about continue. How there are certain things when we continue in them, when we persevere in them, it creates or continues to build, deepen, and sustain our joy regardless. So look with me, if you would, Philippians chapter 2. If you're on your device, it's obviously it's easy for you there. You version or whatever you may be using. Also, it's on the screens. Or if you open your Bibles, turn to Philippians chapter number 2. And we're going to begin reading at verse number 12. Philippians 2, verse 12. Look at it with me. Therefore, my dear friends, as you have always obeyed, not only, not only in my presence, but now much more in my absence, continue to work out your salvation with fear and trembling. For it is God who works in you to will and to act in order to fulfill his good purpose. Do everything without grumbling or arguing so that you may become blameless and pure. Children of God without fault in a warped and crooked generation. Then you will shine among them like stars in the sky as you hold, as you hold firmly to the word of life. And then I will be able to boast on the day of Christ that I did not run or labor in vain. But even if I am being poured out like a drink offering on the sacrifice and service coming from your faith... I am glad and rejoice with all of you, so you too should be glad and rejoice with me. Now, as we begin today, when you look at a passage of Scripture and you see this word, therefore, you need to ask the question, what's the therefore, therefore? Because there's something that's going to follow that's based upon what was and what's already been stated. In the first part of Philippians chapter 2, Paul has been talking about humility, the humility of Christ and the unity that we have as followers. So now he comes, okay, therefore, here it is. So we're going to talk about two things today regarding continue. First is this, continue to obey. Continue to obey. Obedience is a, is a very common theme in Scripture. It's repeated over and over again. Whether it's Old Testament or New Testament, obedience is everywhere. It is a part of the fabric of the scriptures. As a Christ follower, for literally my entire life, I'm just going to be transparent with you. I still struggle with obedience. I'm challenged with obedience every day of my life. Maybe you are as well. And what's really important here when you look at this passage, Paul starts off by saying, as you have always obeyed, there's, there's a word right there that just jumps off the page. It's the word always. Always. Then Paul adds even more to that word. He says, you've obeyed always in my absence, in my presence, and even more so in my absence. I mean, let me tell you something. The Philippians had got it. They got it going on when it came to obedience, they, had, they understood what it meant, and they lived it. Something so incredibly significant. So I would, let me just say it this way. I don't know if there's anything that we always do. Now, now think, think about it. Work with me for just a minute. Here's what I mean. If I'm always drinking coffee, okay, if I'm always drinking coffee, I can't be sleeping. 
If I'm always, um, you know, whatever, you're, you're never really doing something always. So think about it in the, in the framework of being always obedient. If we could adopt a lifestyle of always and continuing obedience, that would mean that we would have absolutely no time to disobey God. Think about it. No time to disobey God. I want that. Our lifestyle, our lifestyle should be one that exemplifies consistent and continuous obedience, not selective obedience. Now, I love buffets. I love buffets. You say, well, that was kind of a hard turn. Well, let me, and I, I, honestly, I'm kind of afraid right now that buffets aren't going to survive this COVID thing. And that's really disappointing to me. But, you know, it is what it is. Uh, you know, I'm disappointed. But you know what I like about buffets? Is when I go to a buffet, I can eat whatever I want to. And I can eat as much of that as I want to. Now, it, what might be good for buffets isn't necessarily a good thing for obedience to the things of the Lord. In other words, we don't have the option to be selectively obedient of what God's word declares. It's like looking at the Ten Commandments. I say, well, I'll take number two, number three, but forget the rest of those things. I like those two, and that's it. We don't have that option. That is not within the, the understanding of what obedience is, and especially is what Paul says to the Philippians. He says, you have always obeyed, but in my, in my presence and even more so in my absence, what a life to live. What kind of obedience, how strong that lifestyle would be. In Moses' farewell address to Israel, he, he had taken them through kind of their experiences in Sinai over 40 years. This is in the book of Deuteronomy. And they, they respond back, and this is what they said to Moses. He said, from this time on, tell us what God says. From this time on, tell us what God says. We will listen and we will obey. Now, that's really a good statement, isn't it? Well, but in Israel's case, they didn't always do that. They didn't. They may have had good intentions. And honestly, I have good intentions about being obedient. I think we all have good intentions about being obedient. But how often do we really or could we say of our lives, I am always obedient? Always. Wow. I don't know that I can, I want to, but listen to what God, how God responded to them. Deuteronomy chapter five, verse 29. He said, I wish their hearts, I love this, I wish their hearts would always respect me and that they would always obey my commands so that things would go well for them and their children forever. Do, do you see that? Always respect, always obey, so that there would be a blessing that would follow. There would be something that would be well understood and enjoyed. I would say this way, that joy would remain regardless when we respect always and when we obey God always. This is God's heart for us regarding obedience. What's the result? That things would go well, and I would add joy. But how do we do it? How do we get, to a, how do we get a posture of being obedient always. I would say it's gonna require oh, some work. You're gonna to have to work out. You're gonna to have to work out. Now, I'm not talking about physical workout. I'm talking about something else. Paul says in verse number 12, look, that we are to work out our salvation 
with fear and trembling. Not work for our salvation. No, no, no. We are saved by grace and grace alone. But we are to work out our salvation. We are to consider this incredible gift of salvation that we have been given. And we are too ready for this. We are to take it with appropriate seriousness. We are to understand what it costs God to save us. And we are to look at that differently. And we are to work that out. We are to literally work out what God has worked into our life. You see, God has done this. We have not done it. He has saved us. Verse 13 makes it very clear that he has done this for his good purpose. We, Paul is saying, take, we are to take this salvation seriously. God has done something miraculous in our life, and we are to consider it with appropriate seriousness. Peter would say it this way, for you know that God paid a ransom to save you from the empty life you inherited from your ancestors, and it was not paid, look at this, was not paid with mere gold or silver, which lose their value. It was the precious blood of Christ. It was the precious blood of Christ, the sinless, spotless Lamb of God. It is by grace that you and I are saved. He saved us. He has worked in us. And I would just say it this way, it is for us to work out what he has worked in. It's time to work out. There are certain things that we must work out. When About a year ago, we joined a gym, a, a health club, a gym, whatever they're called. Anyway, I was going about three times. I was going three times a week. And I'm going to tell you something. There were some times I didn't want to go. And there were some times that it was hard and uncomfortable. But as I continued to work out, something happened. I began to see results. And I'm absolutely confident that when we work out what God has worked into our life, there are going to be benefits. There are going to be results. We are going to be able to say that we can be obedient always because we are working out what God has worked in. So how do you do that? How do you do that? What, is the, what does that even look like? Well, we're going to talk about that in a little bit. It's uncomfortable, but yet to obey always and continually at times will be uncomfortable, but it's worth it. It's worth it. Matthew, G, Matthew said Excuse me, Jesus said in Matthew chapter 7, everyone who hears my words and obeys them is like a wise man who built his house on a rock. It rained hard, the floods came, the winds blew and hit the house, but it did not fall because it was built on the rock. Everyone who hears my words and does not obey them is like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. I want to be on the wise side of that. I want to build my life. I want to be obedient to what God says. I want to always be obedient. I want to continue to be obedient. When I do, joy, regardless, is going to result. Second thing this morning is continue to rejoice. Continue to rejoice. So we continue to obey, continue to rejoice. There was a popular song written in 1944 by a man by the name of Johnny Mercer. And Johnny Mercer, you might recognize the title of the song, Accentuate the Positive. It's, a, it's one of those phrases that is an easily turned phrase. It's been used a lot. The actual, the lyric, the, it was written in 1944. It was actually nominated for an Academy Award for a movie called Here Come the Waves in 1945. Well, the, here are the lyrics that I just want you to grab onto. You ready? Accentuate the positive, eliminate the negative, latch onto the affirmative, and stay away from Mr. In Between. Okay, so that's the lyric that has become very popular. 
Now, what I want to do is I'm going to turn, I'm going to use this as some things to, to consider this morning. And what's really ironic is that Johnny, Mercy, when he, Johnny Mercer, when he wrote this song, he actually crafted it, if you listen to the recording, as a sermon, which was really interesting. I'm going to preach a little bit. You even hear that. So it's really, so I'm going to take it. I'm going to exploit this for my own purposes this morning. And I'm going to use these lyrics to make some points that I think will be very, very effective to help us understand how to continue to rejoice. Well, I'm going to tweak it a little bit. The first is this. Ready? Eliminate the negative. Eliminate the negative. You want to continue to rejoice? We've got to eliminate the negative. Paul says it this way. Ready? Do everything without grumbling or arguing. Do everything without grumbling or arguing. Have you ever met anybody who had, is just negative about everything. I mean, it just does not matter what it is. They are just on the, they're just on the dark side of everything. And it is just, it's exhausting to be around people like that. What makes it even worse is when they are Christ followers and they're still negative about everything. Paul says, do everything without grumbling or arguing, or complaining, whatever words best work. You gotta, we have to eliminate the negative. We have to eliminate the negative. Exodus chapter 16 and verse number two. It says, in the desert, the whole community grumbled against Moses and Aaron. This is their response. Who are we? You're not grumbling against us, but against the Lord. As a follower of Christ, when we grumble... When we complain, when we argue, when we're on the negative side of everything, that's an affront to God. That's not necessarily an affront to a person. It may, be, it, may, it may be hurtful to a person, but it's an affront to God. You and I have been bought with a price. We belong to Jesus Christ. He has saved us with something more precious than silver or gold. What in the world do we have to complain about? Come on. Do everything without grumbling or arguing. Numbers 11.1, 1, listen to this, continues. The, the people fell to grumbling over their hard life. Now, I want to just stop there. The last three months have been hard. They've been hard. No one, minim, I'm not minimizing that at all. Do, do, do we realize that in the United States, we have probably we have eclipsed 40 million people out of work? 40 million people out of work. And I would imagine if, I were, if we had the opportunity to talk to any of them, they would probably say this, this is hard. We could talk to those who follow Christ who are in that same situation and ask them that same question. They would say, this is hard. This is hard. I don't want to minimize that because you might be, exactly, you might be right there. And I understand it can be hard. But keep this in mind. Do everything without grumbling and complaining. Life can be hard, but remember this, God remains your source. God is your source. The psalmist said it this way, I have never seen the righteous forsaken, nor their seed begging for bread. God will provide for our needs. God will take care of us. God has not forsaken us, nor will he. And it is important for us to eliminate the negative. So consider this, eliminating the negative gives the heart a chance to rejoice continually. When it's gone, your heart opens up. 
you have an opportunity to rejoice. The second one is to accentuate the positive. It's just a little small phrase, five words. Paul says it this way. You eliminate the negative so that you may become. It's, it's, that's a powerful phrase because it's saying once this is gone, once this is gone, you open up yourself to opportunities. There's something happening here. I, can, I, will, I will go out on a limb and I'll say this. I will make you a guarantee. You eliminate the negative in your life. We're not doing everything. We're doing nothing from grumbling, complaining, arguing. We're not going there. I'm going to guarantee you something. God is going to open up doors for you you have never seen before. When we eliminate, it opens up the opportunities for God to do something extraordinary in your life. Paul says, so that you can become. That is incredibly powerful. When you accentuate something, you're giving it greater emphasis. And after Paul says, eliminate the negative, those two words, so that, leading us to something greater. So I would just, here's, what I would, here's how I'd say it. We need to give emphasis or accentuate the right things continually. There could be a hundred different right things, but I want to give you four. Four, real quick. Number one, share life and worship. This is a right thing. Share life with one another. Be in connection. That's why we talk about life groups so often. Be in worship as we are today. Whether we can worship together as we are today or whether we worship online. There was a statistic about uh, two weeks ago or so that when this whole pandemic started and everything had to go online and everybody was kind of, as it were, forced to worship online in, in a sense, you know what I'm saying, that we didn't have the option of gathering, that we were using online platforms. The attendance on the online platform spiked beyond crazy. It was amazing. And then, about starting about three weeks ago, that attendance declined dramatically to where now the statistic was telling us that there were people for four weeks had not done anything online. What does that say? It says that after a while, we can get so relaxed and so comfortable, we stop doing the right things, and we begin to allow the negative to come back in, which pushes out, which pushes out the positive. When you eliminate the negative, it opens up the door, and one of the ways to do the right thing is to share life and worship. Every day, they continued to meet together, Acts chapter 2, in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes. They ate together with glad and sincere hearts. The second thing that's right is study the scriptures. Get into God's word. Stay in God's word. I talk about this a lot. And the people of Berea were more open-minded than those in Thessalonica. And they listened eagerly to Paul's message. They searched the scriptures day after day to see if Paul and Silas were teaching the truth. Stay in, study the scriptures. Three is commit to prayer. Paul says it clearly. 1 Thessalonians 5, 17, pray continually, continue. We need a continuing in the right things. Give emphasis to the right things, and then finally, serve wholeheartedly. Hebrews chapter 6, God isn't unjust so that he forgets your efforts and the love you have shown him for his namesake when you served and continue to serve God's holy people. These are right things. Eliminate the positive excuse me, eliminate the negative, accentuate the positive. So accentuating the positive gives the heart a chance, gives the heart a chance to rejoice continually. And lastly is to latch onto the affirmative. So you eliminate the negative, you accentuate the positive, and then you latch on to the things that are created. And Paul says it clearly, blameless and pure, children without 
children of God without fault. Perfect? No, but in a relationship, in a right relationship with God. And we are in that right relationship with God in a warped and crooked generation. In other words, we should not reflect the generation that's around us because we have now eliminated the negative. We are accentuating the positive and we're latching onto the things that God has created in us by doing the right things. What ends up happening is we begin, as Paul would say, you will shine among them like the stars in the sky as you hold firmly to the word of life. What happens, our lives become a beacon in a dark place. And if there's ever a time in our world where there needs to be light in the midst of darkness, it is now. Now, I'm going to say it again because that's a good opportunity for an amen, and I haven't been able to do that in weeks. <laughs> weeks. So I'm going to say it one more time. If there's ever a time that we need to be a light shining in a dark place, it is now. As a follower of Jesus Christ, eliminate the negative, accentuate the positive, latch on to the affirmative. That's what Paul is saying. And then he goes on and he says, and then I will be, and this is a really interesting phrase, and then I, Paul says, on the day of Christ, that I did not run, I'll be able to boast on the day of Christ that I did not run or labor in vain, but even if I'm being poured out like a drink offering on the sacrifice and service coming from your faith. Paul speaks of the value of his testimony being intact. In other words, they have listened, they have obeyed, they're following this. And he says, praise God for what's happening in one's life. His testimony is preserved and so will ours be preserved. And then he adds, there's two-way rejoicing. There's two-way rejoicing. We rejoice with others, and they rejoice with us. He would say it this way, I'm glad and rejoice with all of you, so you too should be glad and rejoice with me. This is joy regardless on display. These are to be continual. Philippians chapter 4, verse 9 says, keep putting into practice, or continue all, I love the way it's phrased, all you had learned, received from me, everything you heard from me, and saw me doing then the peace of God will be with you. Putting this into practice, continue. So latching onto the affirmative gives the heart a chance to rejoice continually. So one more time, eliminate the negative, accentuate the positive, and latch on, latch on to the affirmative. Then I'll just throw this in for good measure and stay away from Mr. In-Between. Don't, don't let something else interrupt what God is doing in your life. As we bring our time to a close this morning, Remember, to continue means to persist in an activity or process, to recommence or resume after interruption, to carry on or progress, to go on or persevere. As we continue to obey and continue to rejoice, here's what I believe is going to happen. Joy, regardless, is going to well up in our soul that no matter what comes at us, from whatever direction, we will have joy when we continue. Winston Churchill said this, so good, success is not final, and failure is not fatal. Look at this, it is the courage to continue that counts. And I couldn't, I couldn't say it better. I want to encourage you to continue. Continue to obey. Continue to rejoice. And joy regardless will be the outcome. Father, thank you for our time together. Bless this wonderful congregation of friends. Give us a wonderful day, we pray. As we leave and go out into our week, we give you all the honor and the praise. Help us to always obey, to continue to obey, to continue to rejoice. We pray this in Jesus' name, amen.